Hello, my name is Scott Bradley, and this is Scott Scott Podcast, and today I'm joined by Chris Stoner. Chris, how are we? Ask us again in five minutes, Scott. I know it's coming. Oh, 100%, mate. So we'll dive right into it, Chris. So we'll talk about the Old Firm game from the weekend, where Rangers beat Celtic 2-0 at Parkhead. It was a very professional and comfortable performance from Rangers, Chris. What was your thoughts? Yeah, on, on our end, a very disappointing result. Very poor. Rangers, the far superior team. This is the third Old Firm in a row that Rangers have played Celtic off the park. Fair enough, they've only won two of them. A bit of a asterisk next to the League Cup final from last December. But yeah, um, Celtic might have more possession on the day, but out of the more possession, we did only generate five shots the entire game, won the entire second half. But the, what, the stat that sticks out, zero on target. That's the first time since 2009 that's happened for Celtic. Alan McGregor was a virtual spectator between the sticks for Rangers. 100% yeah Like McGregor had absolutely nothing to do Like he just could have got a Sunlinger out Relaxed, had a wee beer Yeah, he had absolutely nothing to do And Chris, the best way to sum up that game mate It was men against boys Absolutely So, let's just dive right into it Chris Right, let's talk about Celtic There was no game plan No urgency Celtic could not have been more flat No, but definitely not And there's stuff going about, enough people saying about the team was leaked beforehand and the players that we had missing due to the COVID positive, positive COVID test and international break, obviously missing our main man, Edward, up front. We were thin at defenders with El Hamed and Beaton both testing positive, so our options were thin in defence. And Julian, he's got a back injury, I don't think he'll be back for a bit. Um, but I think if you're good enough to be picked for the team you're good enough to play expected to get the results for that so I'm not going to use like the situation as an excuse for anything like that See when you first seen the Celtic team Chris were you concerned? Because when I first seen that team I was like we're going to beat them today Yeah absolutely the team did not instill me with much confidence at all um, Stephen Welsh young boy in defence, um, that was the one that was particularly alarming for me, um, El Yunusi up front, um, in total we had five debutants making their own firm debut, it does turn out that Stephen Welsh was okay and that actually in centre-back the problem is Shane Duffy who has actually been solid for Celtic, um, but I think he choked in this game, very disappointing, he was particularly at fault for the second goal. And even the first goal... Um, he was playing Golton onside for the first goal. Yeah, the, Golton was offside. Um, and then it was... He moved at the last second and that made Golton on. So, I want, also, El Yunusi, I just want to say, he does, doesn't fit a preferred formation. I, I don't think the three-five-two was the right formation for this game, but El Yunusi does not fit that formation at all. I have no idea why Neil Lennon insists on playing him as a forward when he's won... He hasn't won his left winger. Chris, see when the first goal went in, it looked like the Celtic players just knew the game was over then. Like, see when the first goal went in, did you have the same mindset as Celtic players? Because it looks like they just chucked it after the first goal. Aye, uh, well, before the game, I was going around saying I was going to be happy and I was predicting it was going to be a 1 1 draw, but I can even admit I was in denial. I knew deep down that this result was coming. We'd been scraping victories against inferior opposition. Um, the Dundee United game springs to mind where I uh, came off the bench and Bale 
about the St Johnson game, the last game before the international break, where Lee Griffiths it took him coming off the bench to bail us out. So I knew we were going to get our comeuppance when we came up against a quality side like Rangers. Yeah, and when we got the second goal, Chris, we were like, okay, we're, we're content with that. We've got big games coming up. And we were just like passing the ball around. And it was just so easy for us. And we were even letting Celtic just knock the ball in the midfield and not really pressures because we knew the game was done. Yeah, and even our midfield, Scott Brown, absolutely flat performance. He killed all forward momentum. We, we played without a sense of urgency. Um, questions have to be asked about Neil Lennon's subs because when it was half-time, well, the stats were pretty even at the half, I, I felt. Um, so I felt we could have made some changes then and I thought, you know what, the game's still open, but um, we didn't and then the subs came when it was 2-0 and I knew there was no way back from that. Do you know one player who would not be losing any sleep after that result in the Celtic team? In Cham, he wants out your club pronto and he just did not care whatsoever uh, on Saturday. No, he didn't look interested at all. Do you think it'll be off then? Um, I don't know how the transfer windows operate in this January. If it's just normal, then can probably see him going. Um, Ellen Lucy, I thought, as you said, he doesn't fit Celtic's system, and he had one chance in the first half, but that was probably the only decent chance Celtic had, and I think that was the only moment in the game where the Rangers' defence was caught sleeping. And the way, like, see, considering the fact that Celtic caused absolutely nothing for the whole game, I'm surprised Rangers' uh, defence did fall asleep more often. Yeah, um, it would have been a, quite a goal if they'd managed to keep it down. Um, I think if it had been a natural forward, um, they would have done a lot better and at least hit the target with it. And on Shane Duffy, though, he, so far he's been a big disappointment, Chris. I think he spent £4 million on him. Am I correct? Yeah, I think it was £4 million. £4 million, right. And let's be honest, right, I think Celtic only signed him because he's a big Celtic man and he's Irish. An interesting take. Um, I think he's been solid in what, a couple of games. I think he got a goal in what, three or so games. Um, I thought he looked pretty solid at the back, but these are the games that matter and I was very, very disappointed with his performance. And I uh, mentioned on Barkas, what's your thoughts? Uh, I'm going to say it now, mate, I think he's been an absolute flop and he's nowhere near Foster's level and he's certainly not a replacement for the big man. No, it definitely doesn't look like it. I had high hopes for him, the paying £5.5 million pound for him. Um, a lot of the games he's been a virtual spectator, so he hasn't been called upon a lot, but um, I think I feel the first, the first goal on Saturday... Could have been a pretty routine save. Um, I feel he was quite at fault for that. So, um, would I say it's a howler? Yeah. Um, maybe it's only what you'll hear. Maybe questionable in the Ferran Barros game. Um, so, maybe dropping them, put Scott Bain in for a few games would give them that bit of the backside they might need. Um, I can remember um, Brendan Rogers done it with Craig Gordon when he signed Doris De Vries, obviously. Gordon and get back in goal so maybe the same would work this time and can I see that Celtic team that was playing at the weekend there do you know how much it cost overall? 
I'll, t- I'll tell you, mate, £56 million pounds that squad cost in Saturday. I see, I've seen the big start about the Rangers midfield was what, 50,000? Yeah, 50k. And that was Glenn Kamara. Because <laughs> obviously we've got Stephen Davis on a free, Scotty Arfield on a free, and Glenn Kamara for 50k from Dundee. And our midfield absolutely bossed it, Chris. And I want your thoughts. What was your thoughts on the, the Rangers midfield trio at the weekend? And overall this season, I think they've been sensational. Yeah, well, I've been on record before as saying um, Ryan Kent's the most unfair form player in the country at the moment. Um, maybe not his best game on Saturday. Well, he's had played far better in the season. Um, he did have an attempt walk behind by Ayer um, in the second half. Um, Morelos couldn't get his foot on it. So, um, But a lot has to be said. The second goal, Kamara in our field, the build-up to that goal, really good play. Yeah, 100%, Chris. It was uh, superb. And as I was uh, saying there, I think you mistaken my question there. I was, I was like asking, what's your, what's your thoughts on uh, the midfield trio of Kamara, Davis and uh, Arfield so far this season? Uh, yeah, very, very good. Yeah, 100%. And you know, I've been praising Scotty Arfield to the high heavens recently and it's been totally justified, Chris. He's been superb this season. I think he's been our unsung hero. And as you just mentioned, the build-up play for the second goal was tremendous. Glenn Kamara, by the way, he's been much more consistent this season. And you know I have been critical of him in the past and it's been justified. But my God, this boy is booming with confidence so far this season, would you agree? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, because like, remember last season... Uh, I I done a podcast and it, I was talking about the Hearts game where we got beat 2-1 and Glenn Kamara just looked completely shot off any confidence uh, and this season he just looks like a totally different player like we, and different player in the sense of that he's got his confidence back because we all know Glenn Kamara on his day is a wonderful footballer to watch and it's great to see that he's back firing in all cylinders and Stevie Davis too Big game player, huge experience, and and he's uh, killing it so far this campaign as well. Yep. <laughs> I don't. Sorry, Chris. But I can just tell it's it's uh, paining your ears to hear this, but you're professional, Chris. You've came on to do the job, unlike yeah. certain Scots Scott pundits like Joe Gallagher, who even said in the chat, Chris. All right, I'm not coming on this week, but you have balls, mate. He doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Chris, I want to say this as well. See if our front, see our front three, right? I was happy with their performances, but see if they were more prolific. I think that could have been a cricket, a cricket score, by the way. So I think that could have been much more if we got out of second gear. Yeah, definitely. Um, wasn't until the game went on that I noticed how quiet the forward three been. I think it was highlighted by the fact that Connor Goldson, a centre back, got the two goals. Yeah, and see the fact that after the game. People like Gerard and Rangers fans are saying it was a professional performance. You never want to hear your biggest rivals come out and say that was a professional performance. That's what you say about teams like Alawa, etc. If you only beat them, beat them two 0 in the cup, you never want to hear that. No, it's quite quite the put down to be honest. So Neil Lennon, uh, he split the Celtic support over the weekend after that result. Some Celtic fans are saying Lennon needs to go. He's hopeless. Some are saying, nah, it's just a wee blip, we'll bounce back. What's your thoughts? Um, well, the performance didn't sell me with much content. So obviously, I uh, do hope we have some form of a rebound. Um, not going to jump to conclusions and say that 
it's totally killed the season yet. It's not. Um, a lot of football still to play. Um, it's inevitable that Rangers are going to drop points against teams who shouldn't really vice, vice versa with us. Um, but the big psychological thing is, is in two weeks, well, a, a week, a week and a half, um, we play last season's Scottish Cup semi-final. That'll be another game in hand and there's no room to rearrange that or the in-hand Aberdeen game until the turn of the new year. So um, it's all right in saying if we win these games in hand, then we're still only a point behind Rangers um, psychologically. And then if like, we drop more points, the gap could be even huger and it might feel like too much of a uh, point difference to overturn. Because one thing I can always give Celtic, Chris, is they always know how to bounce back and this game in Sunday against Aberdeen, a team that you'd have a very, very good record against, by the way. The pressure's on yous, right? So I think yous will get the job done against Aberdeen because they always lie down to the old firm. I know they beat us a couple of seasons ago uh, in the Cup, the League Cup and the Scottish Cup, but see when the pressure is even on Aberdeen at times and McInnes' record against the old firm... It's not good at all. So, are you confident that Celtic can bounce back against Aberdeen at Pataudry and get the three points? Uh, yeah, um, obviously we've got AC Milan to take care of tomorrow night up in Europe. Um, not totally confident of that. Um, I did look at the team that we played them the last, when we beat them in 2007, when they were the reigning champions of Europe, but... I think that's kind of different times, even though the Milan side now isn't the same. But um, yeah, I'm confident that we can at least bounce back against Aberdeen. I'm going to say 2 0. What about tomorrow, right? Just say EC Milan batter you at Parkhead. Just say it's a 4 5 0, right? I know EC Milan are unbeaten so far this season, right? But would that still not be a cause for concern that after losing a, a 2 0 old firm game at Parkhead? Like that easily than getting battered off EC Milan final at Parkhead. Would that not worry? Very much so, yeah. Yeah, and just going back to Neil Lennon, right? There's. It looks like he had no passion at all. And usually Lennon would be on that touchline barking orders with so much enthusiasm, hunger. He had none of that at the weekend, none whatsoever. No, he just. Any time the camera cut away to him, he was just kind of sat arms folded on the bench, not knowing what to do. It's like, get up there and put a bit of fire in your team. And what do you make about uh, the team getting leaked before uh, kick-off? Because you touched on that at the start of the podcast. It seems like Celtic right now is not a happy place to play right now. No, I think there's definitely some kind of flip unrest in there somewhere so I don't know who leaked it or what as I say it's like it's not an excuse I don't know what like, Rangers would have got their hands on that or being made aware of it but um, yeah de- definitely not much in the way of harmony in the dressing room I don't think but I don't think it would have made much a difference if we got uh, a hold of that team t- uh, that team sheet uh, before kick off because like when I seen our Rangers team, they, uh, I was like, we're going to win. And the, as I said as well, when I seen the Celtic team, that gave, gave me even more confidence. I was like, we are, if we don't win this today, something is seriously wrong. 
Um, but I'm not getting too ahead of myself because I done that after the two one game uh, last season at Parkhead. I think everyone got too excited. We need to be level headed. Still a long season ahead, right? And we're in the driving seat right now. We've got, we've got all the momentum and confidence behind us, and we need to keep it going because points will get dropped. It will be. T- it's still going to be a tough season. But I'm, I think Rangers and the Rangers fans, the sensible ones, are much more level-headed. And no matter how many Celtic fans say it, right, Celtic fans are concerned about Rangers this season. And I, I'm, and you're a very sensible Celtic fan. You're not like Joe, who Joe's like, yeah, yeah, it's fine, we're still going, we're still going to win a league. Rangers have bought it. You know how good this Rangers team is, and you know this will go right down to the wire. Yeah, 100%. I was going to touch on... Um... Rangers fans not getting too ahead of the game, especially after the monumental collapse end of that last season. But I definitely say I think this Rangers team are definitely a lot more disciplined than last season's Rangers team and look far more of a title contender than last season's. Yeah, because see when you look at our Rangers team right now, Chris, we've got quality in every single area. I have not been this happy and content with our Rangers team in years. Not I've not been this happy and content with our Rangers team since Walter Smith was at Rangers in 2011. That's when you know. Yeah, saying a lot. Um, and uh, Stephen Gerrard as well, he says that even, what I think it was visible for the first couple of seasons when Rangers were promoted again, that the Always, there was always a sense of fear about them any time they come up against Celtic. It doesn't look like Rangers fear Celtic anymore. No, not at all. Not at all, Chris. Um, see, any time we did play use under Pedro Cassina or even Mark Warburton, our players were terrified. Absolutely terrified. Nowadays, that's not the case at all. And we just look so much more well-organised uh, just now. And Gerard has done a good job improving this Rangers team. And he's got a great backroom team behind him. Michael Beale, he deserves a lot of credit. And he helps Gerard out a lot. Because that guy's been places. He's coached at Chelsea and Liverpool. Top, top teams. So we're very lucky to have him in the backroom team as well. Uh, and the players have learned a lot. So especially someone like James Tavenier, who's been through the worst at Rangers. He's been through losing Scottish Cup finals, getting beat 5-1. Uh, uh, getting beat 5-1 at Ibrox at Parkhead 5-0 at Parkhead he's been through the worst of it and I, he, I can see how much he's matured as a footballer and you're seeing it this season he, he's, he's acting like a leader after 5 years at the club <clears throat> I'm finally seeing the leadership skills come out in this man and it's brilliant to see and you would probably agree as well Chris he's definitely a different footballer compared to when he first came to Rangers yeah, he's definitely gained a lot of experience on the way, knows what the club's ideals and values are all about. Um, definitely moulded into a fine Rangers captain, I'll admit. And see Scott Brown, just want to touch on this again, right? <clears throat> I feel like I touch on him every week on uh, Scott Squaw, but it has to be said, um, he, re- he was really poor at the weekend. And as you said, constantly slowing the tempo down in the midfield, What's it going to take for Lennon to drop him? We say it every week, but it's something that I think Celtic fans want to hear and it has to get addressed. Yeah, I, I definitely... He's, 
but he can't, he can't deny his experience and leadership, but I think he's at the point in a footballer's career where they do need to take a bit less playing time because he's 35, his body's not in shape to play week in, week out anymore. Um, I don't think he came off till the 80th minute or something on Saturday, I believe. Um, far younger, fresher set of legs on at half-time with Turnbull, I think. That was a chance to turn that game around and just wasn't done make the sub and was never going to happen for us without making that move so what would you say is a bigger game tomorrow against East Milan or Sunday against Aberdeen uh, sun- Sunday because it's all about getting the league campaign kicked started again that's the bounce back game and do you know one thing I, I, do you know one thing I, I, I really commend you on Chris you may, after the game you made no excuses whatsoever you were like nah fair play you know, and you like I've seen quite a lot of Celtic fans on Twitter using the excuse, you know, we're missing Edward, missing Christie. Like, like, why would you make excuses after that? It just, it, it, it's just embarrassing. So it is, and you know, and you even said at the pod, I'm not making any excuses. I know we're missing Edward, but there's no excuse for that kind of performance. Yeah, as, as I've said already, if you're good enough to be considered for Celtic team they think you're good enough to play and they expected to get results for it so not going to use the COVID situation it's one of those unfortunate situations I'm not going to use it as an excuse whatsoever yeah because 2020 is a mad year Chris anyone can get COVID some of our Rangers players as the season goes on will get COVID it happens you know um, and there's no point saying yeah games should get called off because this is the circumstances that football teams need to endure for the for the foreseeable future. Yeah, um, even just look for your first Europa League game against Standard Bleach tomorrow night. They're missing three or four players through it. Yeah, and uh, this is the last thing I want to mention on the, the old farm, Chris, then we'll move on. See, when I'm uh, looking at this Rangers bench right now, Chris, there's so many talented options, right? We didn't even have Hadji playing at the weekend and Hadji, uh, no, and we won the game comfortably, you know. And Hadji's one of our top, top players. Yeah, um, don't think he's quite hit the marks that he, high marks that he hit last season. Um, he did look like he was beginning to hit them, but um, I think he's only going to take off from here um, whenever he's called upon. Yeah, and you've seen his quality, and you see the game against uh, Galatasaray, you've seen the quality that he possesses just those wee moments of quality and, and he's technically he's just unbelievable you know we just need to get him like firing in all cylinders but see our midfield trio now Chris I would keep it the way it is and you know how much I love my boy Ryan Jack I, I'm, I can't believe I'm saying this but I would rather stick with big Scotty Arfield and Glenn Kamara and Davis instead of sticking Ryan Jack in there now man because the chemistry and the dynamic of those three right now is off the charts and they're just smashing it week in, week out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely a lot better than what we've got. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm a very happy Rangers fan. I'm very happy with the squad we've got. I'm looking forward to tomorrow night against Standard Liège. And uh, we'll move on and we'll speak about Europa League. We've not had a chance to speak about this, Chris. Because um, obviously we've been busy with university and stuff. But we'll talk about Celtic Champions League. Eh, Champions League. <laughs> you wish you had a Champions League group. <laughs> uh, Celtic Europa League uh, group. So Celtic have EC Milan, Sparta Prague and Lille. What do you make of that group, Chris? Are you happy with it? Are you confident Celtic can get out? Um, well, 
well, upon the draw, you uh, we could have got a lot worse. Um, AC Milan, well, we were in the first top pot for the first time ever in a competition. It might have been the first time a Scottish team's ever been in top one for one of these competitions, so that was a big deal. Um, getting AC Milan um, in pot three, that's a glamour tie. It's a shame the current situation's preventing a capacity crowd, big European night at Celtic Park with Zlatan coming to the park. The legend that is big Zlatan Ibrahimovic. They're the nights you live for European nights as a Celtic fan, so disappointing that. Um, but yeah, um, thought it was an alright draw um, at the time. Um, going on a form will be a bit more of a challenge, but I think we can squeeze out of. I'm very happy with my group as as well, uh, Chris. Like Rangers, Benfica, uh, Poznan and Standard Liège, and I seen that I was over the moon. So I was, I was like, "Oof, we avoided some of the big boys. Got a, we've got a group that we can get out of, but we shouldn't get complacent. There's some real good sides in there, but I'm confident we will be able to get out of it. You know, and. Uh, Celtic's group, um, Chris. I think that is a. I think you. I, I think Celtic could fancy their chances if they start to get their mojo back and get their confidence going and start picking up results again. Because one thing you cannot fault Lennon for is, is his European record. Because his European record is tremendous. So it is, and it's like out of nowhere, Lennon will just get a result against a top side like Lazio, like last season, one and two one at the last minute. Yeah, beat them home and away. Um, I think Milan are off to a better start than Lazio were last season. Yeah, and Lazio are a good side. Um, so, and Celtic managed to beat them uh, away from home. What was the score at Parkhead last season when you played them? Played Lazio 2-1. 2-1, so was it 2-1 two, two, home and away? Yeah. Two late goals, header for Julian and then Charming Rome. So, see, apart from EC Milan, what team in that group would you say, okay, that's going to be our competition out of Sparta, Prague and Lille? Um, I'd say Lille, to be honest. Uh, Sparta, Prague are definitely going to be a trickier opponent, but I can see Lille being our next closest challengers to get out of that group. I think the obvious uh, contenders we'll have for top of the group uh, in our one is Benfica. But we've got a pretty good record against the uh, Portuguese sides, obviously beating Porto, um, beating yeah. Braga home and away. So, yeah, I think we can potentially do the double over them. Because <laughs> we've already beat uh, two good sides this season, Galatasaray and obviously Celtic. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to get, get that in there, big man. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But as you were saying, Chris, it's... It's going to be gutting knowing the fact that we won't be there for the European nights. Like, for example, we see Milan going to Parkhead, the legend that is Latan Ibrahimovic playing at Celtic Park. You won't be able to see that, you know. And here's another question Do you think we'll be back at Ibrox and Parkhead this season? I'm not sure. Um, I took part in the survey that Celtic sent out to season ticket holders, um, and it was pretty overwhelming response it was 90 odd percent were keen to get back and willing to do all this and that to 
get back to games and willing to be subject to certain measures and that and they're also looking for you to respond to be like your extended household for going to football games so definitely going to be clubs are keen to get people back in it's maybe a case of they can use these numbers to lobby for us to get back in when obviously we're on the second wave now but even if it begins to case numbers begin to decline and get to the summer levels by like new year they can use these numbers to lobby politicians that football fans want back in the gate because I was I, I was I was speaking to someone about this right and uh, obviously because we're in very tough circumstances and that especially for football clubs see Ibrox and Parkhead right do you think it's able well, uh, do you think it's uh, possible sorry that Rangers and Celtic could get at least 20,000 fans in the stadium all spread out because due to how uh, large the capacity of both stadiums are yeah, well, I watch NFL and some of their stadiums are allowing fans of that kind of capacity allowed in. So, um, take a page out of the Americans' book. Yeah, because Ross County and Aberdeen done a test run earlier on this season. I think they had like 40, 40 uh, 1,000 fans there. And the, the rules were that you need to wear a mask and you're not allowed to celebrate you're not allowed to shout, can't do any of that. And the reviews I heard about it were not great at all because what what's the point going to a football match where you can't shout or celebrate? Yeah, that that's the main thing. One of the categories in the survey answered was like, stuff that would put you off going back and that was one of the things that says that the fact you can act normal, obviously we're not in normal times, but it's part of the football game and even if you weren't supposed to do that, it'd be getting broke all the time. Yeah, exactly. Because you will get people who, in the heat of the moment, will celebrate or shout, whatever, you know. Yeah, react. So if I'm being honest, I don't see us back at Ibrox and Parkhead this season, sadly. Yeah, it's disappointing if we don't. Um, Obviously, it's going to be... One is will be really happy in May. It'll be either 10 or a row or 55. So be a shame that, that that'll be a massive occasion for whatever club wins the league. But um, without fans to celebrate there, it'll be a bit of a sour occasion. Yeah, it'll be like Liverpool when they won the league in front of no one, you know. But overall, I don't think they'll be complaining too much. Like, see if Rangers win 55 in front of nobody. I wouldn't mind as long as we get it done. That's all that matters. But as you said, it's a shame for like both sets of fans considering how much is at stake this season. And there's no room for error for from both teams like in terms of results and that. So at the end of the season, it looks like either Celtic will be celebrating 10 in a row in front of no fans or Rangers will be celebrating 55 in front of nobody. Yeah, it might be the harsh reality we're facing. And uh, before we move on to the SPFL uh, fixtures for the weekend, we'll just touch on Scotland uh, briefly, Chris. I know you're a massive, massive Scotland fan. Um, and obviously I am a Scotland fan, but you're more of a passionate, uh, enthusiastic Scotland fan than me. Like I just have no uh, hopes for Scotland qualifying for any major tournament. <laughs> you know, um, Anytime I get my hopes up, they just get brought right back down. You know, But what's your thoughts on uh, Scotland's uh, recent performances? 
And obviously, yeah. it, we won our last three games, keeping a clean sheet in all of the games. Yeah, and eight matches unbeaten run. Um, couldn't tell you the last time Scotland done that. But um, yeah, Steve Clark, um, not banging the goals in or anything by any means, but um, definitely got his playing consistently, even if it's not the most flattering performances. But getting the job done, winning key games and that, advancing to the closest we've been to a major tournament. Um, it, well, it, they the playoff against Holland that we get hammered in in 2003. Um, but really, this is our best chance at making a tournament first time since 98. So here's hoping that Serbia away, um, they won't, there won't be fans there. Um, obviously, it'd be an extremely hostile atmosphere going away to Serbia away their fans um, so that element's took out but Serbia are still a tough team so we can only hope yeah we can only hope <clears throat> but I'm not getting my hopes up as I said because anytime I think we can do it Scotland just bottle it you know so then if we do it do the Euros will get cancelled <laughs> <laughs> exactly just classic Scotland luck you know but and here's another question for you do you think it's right currently just now that international football is getting played when club football is struggling as it is? And look at the COVID cases that happened during the, during the international break. Yous were especially affected by it. You know, me personally, I don't think it's right that international football should be going ahead currently. But what's your take? No, no I, w- I wouldn't because um, I know the European competitions are still going ahead, but you're still uh, Traveling within your own kind of team bubble, um, but international, it's like everyone converging from different like, countries, yeah. different clubs, yeah, to form the one team. So it's almost like a perfect storm for this virus to spread. So no, I don't think they should be playing them at the moment. No, not at all. And uh, I don't think any club football fan is genuinely a fan of International Week. Like, don't get me wrong, see the major tournaments, everyone loves them. It's just the qualifiers are so, so tedious. It, it's like, for example, when your club's in form, you're like, yes, brilliant, great result there, and you're like, oh, next week, uh, International break, oh, and you're like, oh, God. You know, it's, it's so deflating. <laughs> yeah. still, still support my country, but I'm still a club over country. Yeah, I'm the exact same, mate. Yeah, exactly, man. I'm always Rangers over Scotland, 110%, you know. But, yeah, um, we'll move on to the SPFL fixtures, Chris, before we wrap up. I think some interesting games this weekend, so there is. But, yeah, it's, it's the main thing is it's good to have club football back, you know. Considering we went months without it, it's just... I'm just glad we've got it back in some way. Even though we're not there physically, we're still able to watch our teams week in, week out, good or bad. Yeah, absolutely. It could have been took away from us again with the way the virus is going, getting into this second wave. So it's good that that's still around. Yeah, definitely. Because there was a big wake-up call for everybody in the country at the start of the season with the, the infamous Aberdeen 8. Nearly cost, yeah. it nearly cost the season, you know, and uh, that was a wake up call. And people, like the players especially, started taking it more seriously. Quite rightly yeah, so. Bowling goalie as well. Yeah, bowling goalie. 
Uh, speaking of ball and goalie, obviously, um, he's gone now, isn't he? Yeah, uh, Istanbul. Um, I think they're in the Champions League, are they not? What do you make of that boy he's brought in? The the left back from EC Milan, the name escapes me. Wax out. What do you make of him at the weekend? I should have asked you that earlier on, but I forgot. What do you make of him? Um, uh, look, from what I've seen, seen of him at the weekend, by the way, he wasn't he wasn't all that good to me. He, he worked hard, he, kind of, he ran about a lot, but he, he looked pretty dross. Go, go forward and stuff like you'd expect him to, but um, they didn't do anything like they really made me sit up and go, well, this boy's good. Yeah. And uh, he obviously, he got memed a lot on Twitter, so he did, <laughs> because he's dreadlocks and he's specs, and a lot of girls were replying to it saying, yeah, that's what I got and when I was in Spain when I was like 10. Aye, <laughs> uh, it was funny, that. So, Kamara versus Hibernian, Chris, uh, three o'clock kick-off on Saturday, prediction? Um, I'm going to go a draw here, 1-1. I'm going to go a 2-1 Hibs. Motherwell Ross County. Um, beat them in the opening weekend. I'll say County get the win again here. One 0 I'm going to say two 0 County, and I just want to mention as well. Um, Rangers beat Motherwell five uh, one a few weeks ago, and I want to give a special shout out to the man Jordan Jones, who had a fantastic game that day, and he made a real statement, and he put. Uh, himself and Gerard's thoughts going forward which is lovely to see because I'm a big fan of Jordan Jones and it's good to see he's getting the credit that is that he completely deserves um, St Johnson versus Dundee United Dundee United have had a real ropey start by the way yeah um, see they lost to Peter Head <laughs> so they did in the League Cup aye uh, um, I'll say 1-1 here I'm going to go 2-1 St Johnson uh, Graham's team St Mirren versus Aki's oh man that'll be a draw game That'll be any money, that'll be the last game shown in sports scene, 100%. Aye, plus it's the bottom two, only goal difference is separating the two of them, I'm looking at the table just now. Um, I'll go a draw 0-0 here. 1-0 Aki's. Uh, big one for you at weekend, Chris. Aberdeen versus Celtic. Scoreline prediction. Yeah. Said 2-0 earlier, we're all set by 2-0 Celtic here. So he did, so he did. Uh, and Rangers versus Livy. At Ibrox, I'm going to go for a... A 2-0. 2-0. Won't be pretty, because Livy are a, a tough team to break down, and we drew with them earlier on this season, but I think we will have learned from our mistakes, and I'm going to go for a 2-0, definitely. Yeah, I agree. Um, disappointing result for you on that day, but I don't see a repeat of that result on a grass pitch at Ibrox. 3-1 uh, Rangers. 100%. So, Chris, pleasure as always. Great to be back. We picked the best episode to make a return on. <laughs> so, thanks very much, mate, and take care, and we'll see you soon.